AMB Properties is Quincy's largest apartment rental company with hundreds of units available. They offer short-term and long-term rentals with one up to four bedroom apartments. AMB Properties meets the needs of its tenants with care, compassion, and a quality of service that exceeds expectations. AMB Properties also has a convenient tenant app for you to do your payments or make repair requests. Give them a call today. A&B Properties, 217-919-8080, Quincy. So, Adam Both, how you doing? Good. How about you, bud? I'm really happy you're here. <laughs> we'll see if we can make it fun. We'll make it fun. But I got a question for you. Well, I know we talked about um, Alabama and Mizzou in the green room. We are talking to Bob and you and David about whatever, football. Um, I'm sorry about your Crimson Tide. Eh, can't win them all. Okay, but good job making it to the top four. Good job um, beating the dog do out of Florida State. Yeah, it, uh, well, I was Georgia. I'm not Florida. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, Georgia. No, it, uh, Bama, yes, we always want to win them all, but uh, preseason I chalked us up for three losses, so we only had two. So expectations exceeded so you guys always do a good job so one of the reasons why i wanted to talk to you on this pod was because uh, i've got a small problem and i want to know if you can help me it turns out that i think that a lot of people are censoring themselves um too um too far into the negative so i've had and so i've had really good guests on uh really good uh, they're really well-known in the community. They're movers and shakers. They get a lot done. And they get on, they get in front of a microphone or they see the lights on them and the cameras. And they don't necessarily want to say really what they think. And I'm talking about like really, I'm not going to name names because they're all people that you and I know and listeners and viewers like to see them on and they're, they're incredibly good people. And they don't really want to say too much. They don't want to ruffle the fat. Ruffle the feathers. It's always tough. So I was wondering, would you be, so you can say pass if I say something, if I ask a question that you don't like, definitely say pass. But I was wondering if you would consider saying what's on your mind about certain things. Anybody that knows me generally knows that I do. Yeah, I don't worry about this. This is why when you're on here, like. (laughs) No, I mean, it's, I don't know, anything that I'm going to, whether it be, put out there on social media or, or, or in a conversation one-on-one, if it's something I feel, I'm not going to hide from that, you know, more typically. I mean, I guess you could never say never, but it, I, I'm generally very transparent in where I stand on an issue, good, bad, or indifferent. doesn't mean you have to agree or disagree, but no, I'll give it my best. Okay, so Muddy River um, is a champion of local news. And so Money River doesn't really get too far into like the geopolitics and get into all, all of these, um, the stuff on the, on the world news or national news. I mean, it always touches on things that affect the community because yeah, but I, I don't think they need to, they don't need to, but we can do this as an opinion spot. We can talk about it. I have. So thank you for helping me with this problem. I think there is something wrong at the border and I'm just going <laughs> to, this is in the news. And I think there's a really big problem at the southern border. I don't think there's hardly any problem at the northern border. No, I mean, anybody that says there's not a southern border issue, 
every bit of data says otherwise. It, it, you know, what's the solution? I mean, I think that's where the disagree- the opinions could really start flaring. But if you're going to say there's no problem at the border, you got your head in the sand. It, it, the data, every which way you look at it, there's something wrong. So I don't know what the numbers. I kind of looked it up before I got here, and there there's a there's either hundreds of thousands of people coming through every month. So for the year of 2023, I think a, a far, a very heavy number I saw was 8 million. A lighter number I saw was about 200 to 300,000 uh, a month. So, you know, you can kind of do the math on that somewhere between, I don't know, if, if we said 4 million people are coming across well, a year, yeah. I don't know what the number is. I don't think anybody does. I don't think anybody knows the number. No, that's... All, all they're going to do is take a speckling and then try to expand it out to develop a number. I mean, if we truly knew the number, then we wouldn't be having illegal crossings. Why is this happening right now, in your opinion? I mean, it starts, it, 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 you know, if your administration isn't going to come down on somebody coming into the country illegally, you're not going to deter the next person from doing it as well. You know, there's a legal process to come into the country. And... There has been for since our inception, but right now it's always, you know, your border patrol agents are at what point do they quit patrolling the borders often if they know that that person's just going to get released in the country and let be and sometimes given more freedoms than us legal residents get, you know, so, you know, so if you're the boots on the ground of the border agent, are you going to just look the other way or are you going to go waste your time doing paperwork to process these 12 people you just saw hop the fence when the last six times you've done it, it hasn't went anywhere. Sometimes you've caught the same person multiple times. Maybe, I don't know. So I think, you know, so it starts, it's not the boots on the ground causing the problem. It starts from an administration. And obviously you look at in the white house, that administration is very sympathetic to illegal immigrants and I'll use the word illegal because they didn't come in the right way. I wonder if it's possible for you and I to be sympathetic to to migrants, to refugees, to illegal immigrants. Is it possible to be sympathetic to them, but also say, I'm sorry, but you 4 million people who, by the way, I've been seeing the videos, this whole idea of it's grandmas and women and children and orphans, that's not who I'm, that's not the bulk of what I'm seeing. I'm seeing military age men with really nice jackets that they got from the UN. I'm seeing them coming across the border in droves. I don't think it's this, um, I mean, I'm, I'm sure, I'm, I mean, I've also seen videos of women passing their babies through barbed wire. So I'm not saying that's not happening. I'm just yeah. saying that I think something else is afoot. And before COVID, I thought that conspiracy theories, you know, I don't, I thought that maybe um, it's just something in my brain. I've got a worm in my brain that's infecting me. But now I don't really see the world that way. It's persistent. You know, eventually you go, hold on here. This isn't just something I'm imagining. or Because there, there's always the, the conspiracy side, and I, I don't typically buy into that stuff. It's got to be a little more realistic. I mean, the conspiracy side of things could drive us all crazy. And we're borderline there anyways. But, you know, but I, you know... So at what point do we, should we be sympathetic? Yeah, I think there's, you know, being sympathetic, absolutely. I, I don't want 
you know, I, I understand and respect those people trying to better their life, and they realize there's opportunity here in the United States that there may not be in their country. And the truth of the matter is, given our labor shortage, we're going to need more labor. But it goes back to there's still a legal process to do it. Now, do maybe we as a country need to look at that legal process of, I'm not saying bend the rules, but do we maybe need to look at the criteria to find a happy medium of we do need workers, but we need you to come in the legal way so you're paying taxes like everybody else. You're contributing to society in in many ways because you're going to use city functions or state functions. So I think it's, I think there's somewhere in the middle, Uh, you know, our our immigration laws of 50 years ago, maybe they're not fitting the mold. They're clearly not working now. So we need to look at how do we, how do we work with it? But do you think the current administration is trying to overwhelm the system or do you think it's trying to overwhelm either? um, I'm, I'm not making the claim that they're all getting all of the entitlement benefits that Americans get, but it's weird. Like, so in Illinois, I do think that there's a problem in Illinois um, regarding um, being really lax on some crime laws, um, possibly giving um, illegal illegal immigrants, migrants, um, driver's licenses, um, at the same time telling the citizens of, of Illinois that they have to register their weapons now. I mean, all of these things happen all at once. And when it's just like a handful, half a dozen to a dozen things happening at the same time, and they're all kind of working, on one hand, they're working against each other, and on the other hand, they're working perfectly together. It makes you start to to question a little more. And yeah, I think the administration right now, you know, or, or I would say beyond that, just, you know, from the Democratic side, you know, they're... They're definitely more of, oh, my gosh, we want to help everybody. We want, you know, without looking at the cost of such. So, you know, they're, they, they, they want to help everybody. And heck, don't we all? But we've got to take care of our own first. And as a country, we're, what, $33 trillion in debt? We aren't taking care of our own. We're just borrowing on it. And I, so think it it's, I think it's 34T. And I think that. Um, I think it's going up 300 or $400 billion a day. <laughs> it's something like, it's I think the largest line item of spending is going to be interest on the debt. I think that eventually, yes. eventually. They, I was be, just reading it the other day that, yes, uh, I think next year is when they project interest to exceed military spending. That's the biggest line item. So speaking of, mil- speaking of military spending, speaking of um, government, what do you think about Gavin Newsom and what do you think about Vivek? So you got so so you got Gavin Newsom on the, on the Democratic side, maybe possibly vying for a spot. And then you got this. Do you know who I'm talking about? That Vivek Ramaswamy yeah, yeah. guy. Yeah, I think he's running fourth or something on the on the presidential polling. Well, do you have running. a? Do you have, so without saying the T word? You know, what I'm talking yeah. about that guy who's yeah. president. You can't really talk about that guy, but we should talk about that guy. Anyway, as as the election comes up, I I bet I bet we'll have lots of opportunities to talk about it. But what do you think? Like, I think that Vivek character, who's a really interesting person, he was the one who was kind of talking about how the interest might be one of the largest line items, and he's an interesting. Do you think we need a guy like that? Oh, I I think all of us, as we look at politics, where it's become nowadays, absolutely. Uh, it's so polarizing either this or that 
And at the end of the day, it always goes back to when the country was founded, you would go into politics to finish out your career. Now we have career politicians that have never worked a day in their life other than being a politician. So how does that person really know what's best for me when they haven't ran a business? They haven't done the things that they're telling us how to do. And so at some point, I think, you know, and, and, and you could argue Trump was that as well, that he was a business side, not a politician. But I don't know, given where we were at four years ago to where we're at now economically, I'll take a business guy. Uh, you know, and so, so Vivek or Vivek, whatever, you know, yeah. I'm all ears. Um, you, you know, it's, does he seem to say a lot of the right things to you? Uh, do you, or do you think he's talking, talking, talking and doesn't have anything to back it up? I, I, I think he's catering too much to what the far right wants to hear to get the primary support. I, I don't know that that's. I don't know if there's enough substance behind what he's saying yet for me to go, that's, that's my guy. Just, you know, it's, he, he's, he, sometimes it seems like he is going so hard right, which we've all learned that's what it takes to win a primary. You have to be extreme left or right to win a primary. A moderate doesn't win a primary. You look at Darren Bailey. Bailey carried the primary easy, then he goes to the general and gets hammered. Yeah. And so I think he's a little bit too much of, you know, saying what's popular to his core base instead of maybe saying what needs to be said. And and it, I guess I, I consider myself a moderate. I, I, you know, there's certain areas where I'm left or right, but obviously I'm majority, majority right, but doesn't mean I'm hard right. And I just feel like that sometimes he's, he's so worried about offending the hard right. Hmm. And, and so is he holding back? There's a... Um so a friend of mine in Chicago that knows Vivek just kind of tangentially, but doesn't know him, doesn't truly know his background or anything, but thinks that, that he's a Trump plant, that maybe Trump planted him there. But I don't know, because he, he, a lot of the things that he says is very Trumpish in terms of this. I think he is very aware of who's leading the Republican primary, and I think he is positioning himself to hopefully be the number two. Interesting. Who do you think is going to be the Democratic nominee this year for the presidential election? As much as I would love to see conspiracy sides of he's going to step down, it, it, you know, you're getting late enough in the game. I don't, barring a health issue, I mean, it's going to be Biden. Okay. You know, I, Newsom and Pritzker are sitting there in the wings waiting for a major hiccup, but each day that ticks away, you're, you're, you're not going to assemble a campaign, you know, I think at this point, the Democrats are, it is what it is. And, you know, I, I, it could be a toss up if it's, if it's a rematch, you know, from, from 2020, um, you know, I, I think that they're somewhat content to go and they'll take their chances, but I don't think it's as favorable as the favorable as they'd like, but they know that at worst case, it's just a four year president. And then they're, then they're, they're, there's Newsom or Pritzker in the wings. You know, I just, I don't see anything else other than that. So a couple weeks ago, I heard that the Epstein client list was going to come out on Jan 1. So now it, what, what is it? Are we Jan 3 already? It's already January 3rd. There's no Epstein client list yet. But I guess it's sitting there waiting. There's 250 names. So there's the – do you know anything about the Epstein? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Do, do you know, what, what do you know about Epstein? Like, like what do you uh, 
I mean, well, you, you well, know. What have you heard? I think the, you know, am I knee deep in the weeds on it? No, but I mean. You don't want to know too much. No, I mean, it's clearly, I think what we, we've all, any reasonable person can, can take from it is there was a lot more, there was a lot of influential people involved in his lifestyle that obviously don't want their name out there. And, you know, you, you know, it's going to be interesting to see if that information does get released. Obviously, the lack of releasing of it probably is very indicative well, there's of the, the damage. There's the flight logs, but then there's the, and then there's a client list, which is not the same thing as the flight logs sure. because um, just because somebody's on a plane with doesn't Epstein mean doesn't mean that they're doing business with him. But then there's like a third tier of client list on the flight logs and documented um, multiple island visits to that Epstein Island. That would be a, a bigger concern. <laughs> do you think that the government, who I do believe is in charge of releasing those names, and knowing how much the government, um, I'm going to use the term, I'm, I'm going to use the term, the current administration, the general infrastructure of the feds, and the deep state in conjunction, which I, I do believe the deep state exists in terms of uh, there are lots of unelected bureaucrats that hold immense power. I don't, even, I don't even know the names of some of these people, and we don't, we, we don't elect them. Th those people go from administration to administration, right. and, and it keeps continuity. Right, in, and they protect themselves as to not let, they don't want to get in bad favor with the president, nope. so they do what they, they do thy bidding uh, of the president. They're the yes people. Yeah, but um, do you think that Trump's name is going to be on the Epstein client list? It'd be a bombshell if it was. I mean, that could rock the primary. Um, I don't know, though. It, it, it's Doesn't it make sense? Because so this client list is going to come out. It was supposed to come out on Jan 1. And so my Twitter feed, I, I have my own kind of personalized Twitter feed. Are you on? Do you yeah. read Twitter? I do. I'm not I don't ever like, post or I don't ever tweet or anything like I I I, I use it for sports. Okay, well, I mean that's probably what Twitter should be about. It should be about family and sports. Sports and for me, like it's that. sports update. So, do you think that the current administration and the deep state, who doesn't seem to like Trump very much at all, do you think that they would just? Do you think that either a they're going to release the list because Trump's name is on the list, or do you think that? Trump's name may not be on the list, but his name will be on there anyway because they hate him so, so much. Like, no matter what Trump's name, because this, when this well, list comes my out. My take would be is if his name is legitimately on the list, that would have already been out. They would have been given all the court cases with Trump and everything else. At the end of the day, the administration has their thumb on those government bodies. But wouldn't they have to release, I mean, if, only, if they only release one name, they're like, by the way, there's 500 people on this list, but we're only going we're only going to release Trump because Trump's on there and Trump, 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 because has it stopped him yet? Well, I mean, I guess not. Uh, so it's giving how you know when you look how the feds or the Department of Justice, the FBI has become political. When you look at right now, you could argue some of the cases against Trump are witch hunt, political witch hunt. If his name was on there, I'm going to assume that they would have been screaming from the mountaintop, even if they didn't release the other names, because nobody would care about the other names on there if his name was on there. That would be all the media would talk about. 
So I, I feel like the lack of his name being released is, tells me an awful lot that I, I, I'm going to say it's probably not there. You don't think his name's on it? Mm-mm. But we'll find out. Oh, my gosh. When they announced that list, I mean, do you think Bill Clinton's name's on it? Did you see the painting that they pulled out of Epstein's place of Clinton? I'd be more concerned if my name was Clinton than Trump on that list coming out. (laughs) You would be? Oh, I mean, there's there's already been more evidence of of Clinton's relationship or contacts with Epstein. Did you see see the painting? No. Okay. So you got to go to the interwebs and type in Bill Clinton... Epstein painting something like that just tie those words together and do do a search on the internet for that spoiler alert it is Bill Clinton in a very nice high level um, like oil or acrylic painting and it's got him laying on some type of really nice bark lounger chair couch and he's laying sideways and he's pointing at the camera He's smiling like with this like look in his eye and he's in a blue dress and high heels. Not making this up. I'm not making up any of this stuff. I don't want to visualize that. No, 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 yeah. Correction. Don't look it up. You'll burn your eyes out. Can't unsee it. No. So where do you, um, where do you, um, so I'm going to talk more a little bit about you now. Where, um, so you're a pretty big worker. You, you, you do a lot of stuff. Yeah. Nope, it's, uh, do you do you have a retirement age? No, I mean, do you think you're ever going to stop working, or do you think you're going to retire to the beach, the golf thing? The are that's you too, a tough one. Are you, um, are you too far away from this to even yeah, talk it, about it? I'm not where I want to be yet. So I think when I start checking off those those achievements that I want to get to as career professionally then I think that that conversation will take care of itself. Do I ever see myself just fully retiring? No, because I get, I get stir crazy on a three day weekend. Uh, so now when I'm 20 years older, maybe is that a different conversation? Sure. But I, I'm nowhere close, uh, you know, and I mean, shoot, I'm 43. So, you know, I told myself it was a hundred mile an hour till I'm 50 then it's a regroup, you know, reassess where we at. But even then it's, I'm not, I, I just don't see that where I'm going to be the just fully retired and have no structure in a day. You know, while I, there's times where I, I get burned out on the workload. It's what I enjoy. You know, I enjoy seeing things get accomplished, seeing things come together. And so it's, you know, the grind of it, yeah, it takes a toll. But then when a project finishes or, or this this idea gets comes to fruition, you know, I, until I lose that drive, we're not anywhere close. So you've got you feel like you have a lot of time left to work. I think so because it's 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 getting. You know, by no means are we uh, where we want to be, but it's getting more fun now just because. I don't know. I guess it's it's you know you're you're playing with bigger chess pieces and it's more fun. You you feel like you you're when you do something it's a bigger impact. You, you know, and, and right now we're in such a growth stage over at the ADM facility that 
you know, we I don't feel like we've scratched the full potential on revitalizing that building as far as, you know, with the, we're doing manufacturing in there, we're doing storage in there, different warehousing, and, you know, we've got 20-some people working in there, and, you know, it's that still keeps me rolling on it. Do you have a hard time finding people to work? Not really. We're, we're pretty solid there, but, you know, we, 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 you know, we're generally fairly selective on who we bring in and, you know, really we've had a, a very low turnover rate, you know, and so, so far so good. Now, it, is the labor market like it was 10 years ago? No, you, you definitely, you know, you put up with a little more than you would have 10 years ago, you, you know. So it's like when I look at my dad, how he ran it, he would have probably fired half the people that work for all our places because you could do that because there would be somebody else to hire. Whereas right now, yeah, you, you know, it's a little different animal that, you know, if somebody's, somebody's late, you, you, you know, you're, you're, you, you maybe have a conversation with them and you're not just see you later. Have you spoken publicly about the, you, you mentioned ADM, like the project over there. Have you spoken publicly about, about exactly what you're doing over there? Yeah, I did on the, Oh, when I was with the daily money or not the, whatever with the yeah, club money, club money with the Brittany and, yeah. Ashley. Okay, good. What um what is just just so I'm on the same page right now, what are you doing? What part of that project are you doing right now? Um basically I mean it started off bought it what three years ago, two and a half years ago, and kind of really was just gonna take a slow, slow approach to it. So really for the first year didn't do anything. And then then it's we've had some industry here in town reach out last year you know, last summer, well, summer before, and, you know, they were needing, needing somebody to not just store their stuff, but we're actually doing some, some packaging and we're doing some assembly of manufacturing of some items in there, you know, so we warehouse their items and then we're putting them together and we might ship them out to their customers. So, you know, that's kind of evolved where we've got four different companies we work with, three of them are local, one or not, you know, I'll leave their names out of it just because some of them, sure. I, I, you know, I, I don't want to, say that out there others may know but so no it's we you know we've got some that we just strictly warehouse their projects so that was just pallet storage we're just receiving their materials and then they they send transfer trucks and they send it out to their building their plants you know we've got others that we're actually doing final assembly for them and then shipping it out directly to their customers but you know and then we've just really have started reusing a lot of the the grain conveyor systems within the building as well so yeah, that was kind of an add-on bonus at the end. So mm-hmm. we've got, you know, several thousand tons of material being stored in there for another feed feed supplier here in town. And so it's it's really just, you know, I, I would say it's more of a, you know, you kind of you know kind of a three PL logistics type setup over there. And what's three PL? Uh, third party logistics. So it's uh, it, it'll it's almost like the, the final mile of an Amazon delivery when you think of it. So it allows you know, a place like that that wants to dedicate 100% of their building square footage to their hardcore manufacturing and some of their smaller scale or specialized stuff they can outsource to us, and it allows them to have more square footage within their building for their their nut bread and butter, and you know, so it's it's kind of allowed us just to kind of act as that logistics group for them because then we we. When they send a customer to pick up their items, they're they're coming to our docks. They're not tying up their docks at their facility. 
so everything is sitting on our docks ready to go and we just we receive stuff for them and ship it back mm -hmm. out and like i said it, it's and i would say we've probably got of the 20 people there i mean we we've got you know 12 of them are involved in just manufacturing side of it one of the things that I wanted I wanted to talk to you about, um, we're going to table that one topic because our our friend from the the park district asked us to kind of like table some of this discussion. Um, but I want a, about a certain subject matter that we'll talk about next week. But if you had, um, if you were in charge of the project of putting in a amphitheater somewhere in Quincy, either on the riverfront or anywhere of your choosing. My question is this, since, since you know how to put stuff together and you know the right people to talk to and you are, you sound like a logistics person, you know how to put ideas together. See, the thing is like ideas are a dime a dozen, but execution is oh, very good execution. We all, have ideas. we all have ideas, but the actual, the actual execution of it is, di is different. So for the remaining of the podcast, I, I want to ask you, a logistics issue about how to actually get something because we're not about we're not about sports complex mm -hmm. yet because we promised we, we wouldn't yep we won't talk about that but we can talk openly about either a music amphitheater or you're either pro or against the riverfront and then I want to segue into college football if you don't mind because sure. when it comes to college football you're somebody that I want to talk to about so I you know there's the great Dominic O'Donnell who is like a really good person oh, yeah. to talk yeah. to. Um, there's like guys like, um, like Tyler Tomlinson is a really good person to talk to about yes. sports in general. But I think, I think you are a really good person to talk to about specifically college football. Oh, college okay. football, I live, eat, and sleep it. <laughs> so I, I want to move into that. But first, do you have an opinion on if the Riverfront and Quincy should be done at all onto any level? Um, yeah, obviously I have an opinion, um, you know, and it's, I'm against the current proposals of it. Okay. Am I against the riverfront? No. It's just, I don't think we have the dollars in place to truly undertake it. Okay. And one, the cost will so far have already climbed to astronomical levels before we've even done anything before we did anything yeah. we're not sitting flush with the money this is like putting a vacation on a credit card we don't have the dollars right now and i'm not one of these people out where we need to have every street fixed we'll never have every street fixed we'll never have every water line replaced those are items that wear out you're always going to have those maintenance so i'm not unrealistic in terms of that i think there's the one bucket that is infrastructure that's an ongoing when you look at dollars spent public dollars then your other bucket is what can we invest in to reinvest in our community? The riverfront would fall in that. And you're going to have to, you have to continue to, to reinvest in our community, whether it be sports, whether it be riverfront, whatever it may be. So, I mean, we can't just sit there and say, we're not going to do this because we don't have our streets fixed. Okay. I think that's too short-sighted for the city. So it's like, I'm, I'm good with people that want to put the plan in place on the riverfront. But so far it's just been, it's been an awful lot of, let's reach out to the three government bodies and get money. And I've not seen any sort of private development, private developers taking that step forward. And so it's like, that's where I struggle with because if it's strictly public dollars, there's not a really return investment on the riverfront and not everything is, but when, is there, is there anything, is there any reason why we should 
put or install or develop and move towards, um, would there be anybody in the private industry that would want to put a small amphitheater? Small. Or, 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 I don't think or is so. that another pie in the sky thing? I, I mean, you've got what, I mean, Scott Edlin's done great with his bands up at, on the rail, you know, and so it's like. It, uh, but, it's, but I heard that's coming to an end. It, and it may be if the Newcomb lot sells, I think is, you know, that's been up uh, debate. So, I mean, you know, I, I think in something like that, I, I think that you let private development steer that right now. Okay. Now, because at the end of the day, it's. We go build an amphitheater down there. Great. Did that really help the other businesses? And I'm not, you know, like when Scott has his on his his bands there. I see a downturn at the liquor stores that weekend. I'm not crying because he's doing it with his own dollars. But when we start taking government dollars and working against your other businesses, I don't know that that's the right use of it. Right. It is so great if there's an amphitheater and somebody wants to go do it awesome but if you know i'm sitting here looking at the dollars we pay in every month in the food and beverage tax the one percent tax and how much of that goes west of a street i was in a i was at a city council meeting for those who don't know the food and bev tax was something that um, was kind of invented here or modeled from some or you know stolen from someplace else ideas a lot of people who are in um, who are developers of Quincy, either from like the city, county side, or even private development. They take ideas from, from other places and try to make them work here sure. if they work, which is fine. And that's probably not a bad idea uh, as opposed to trying to invent, reinvent the wheel all the time. But I was at a city council meeting one time and Alderman Farha at the end of the meeting to prove a point said, hey, I would like to um, buy four laptops Four, four laptops for some um, assistant administrators inside the city because they need laptops. They need these computers. They're seven years old. They're crashing. We need new cybersecurity on them. The firewalls are gone. We need to, we need to, if they need to work from home, they need to be work remote. They have, to, we have to have these computers and everybody kind of agreed that they had to have them so far. Ha said, yeah, just get just take it from the food and beverage tax. And then that was the end of the meeting. And I walked out, and then a bunch of us walked out of the meeting and said, did he really, did he really say it? Because he's, he, he's making a joke that you can tap the food and beverage. He's making a joke, but there's truth to that joke. But there's truth to the joke, and he's angry, rightfully so, that you, anybody can just tap that. Not anybody, but, you know, it, it, it's kind of like a slush fund for, like, whoever can have the best idea for well, it. Well, it, 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 it was one of those that it was, well, let's pass it and we'll create the language later type thing. So the, the tax was passed through the city council without the framework of how it could be used or not used. So once you don't have those guidelines, it's allowed it to just expand. It's no different than they earmarked. It hasn't been spent yet, but the Welcome Inn or the other hotel that was down there, the Eagle's Nest or whatever, had 500000 apiece earmarked from the Food and Beverage Fund if somebody wanted to tear them, buy them and tear them down. Well, that's what the TIF money should be for. That's Those are both TIF districts. But they can't do that because the TIF district's already been robbed. So now, oh, let's go to the next account that has money in it. Oh, food and beverage brings in $1.7 a year. How do we spend that? They, well, a million of it went to Target. 
do I have a problem with Target coming here? No, but that could have came out of the sales tax fund. Why did it come out of the food and beverage fund? It shouldn't have. That had, you know, so there I look at it. I have a store across the street from Target paying into the food and beverage fund going to my competitor. Um, and, and by the way, I, do you are, is your company publicly traded? No. Publicly traded company on the New York Stock Exchange? They were coming here regardless. Well, I mean, now <laughs> the city of Quincy is subsidizing Fortune 500 companies. Which at is the insane. expense of your local business. At the expense of the local business. And I just don't so think the where, government should be in that. Well, I mean, we're talking about ethics here. They're, they're, they're ethical issues. All right, you ready for college football? Sure. Okay, you mentioned in the green room, and I was under, I was not under the impression that the college football, so the NCAA's college football, I, I didn't know they were going to go to 12. For some yep. reason, I had it stuck in my crawl that there were eight. And right now... Some people don't count. Some people don't care about college football. So no, I hope, we're, we're, but we're some people, it, it is such an amazing pageantry. That sport is, um, it's the weirdest thing. So all of my kids play sports. Okay. None of them play, play American football with pads and helmets and stuff like that. But we're always throwing the football around the house. All my kids. Absolutely. My four-year-old, like my four-year-old has an, a, a pro size NFL Leather football, it's our, one of our prized possessions. It actually belongs to my wife. I love that my wife even has a football. I, don't ha I actually don't have my own football. But we throw this around. The only sport we watch at home is American football. Thanksgiving Day, Christmas Day, what's going to be on the TV at the house? It's not that we don't like soccer or basketball or baseball. We, will, we love those sports. American football to me is just more social. You know, soccer, the hardest part with, like, is soccer and my wife and daughter are diehard soccer, you know, and, but soccer, you're not going to captivate a group to watch it because you might watch 90 minutes and there's not a single goal. And I'm sorry, we've become a society where we want results and we, we want to see points. We want to see scored, but also with football, American football, you know, that after fourth down and they punt the ball, it's going to go to commercial. I can go to the fridge. I can, I can, you don't have to capture somebody's attention the entire time. Soccer, you go to the bathroom at the wrong time, you miss the one goal of the game. It's, it's truly amazing. To, to your point, we all needed, so my boy needed a potty break. I want to get something to drink from the fridge. And it's exactly what you said. Here comes the punt. All of a sudden, you know, the receiving team is doing this because it's looking for, we're looking for a fair catch. As soon as we know that's going to happen, we kind of sit there for five seconds. Is, is he going to drop it? What's going to happen? He's not going to run. Okay, knee down. Boom. Let's go. Go. And, and then you come back. What a beautiful, the idea that you can put an offense together, it's like, it's like a game plan. It's like war. It's not like, I mean, I know you can do this in soccer too, and I, but soccer is more fluid. You can kind of do it with baseball. Every pitch is different. And every pitch is and every different, batter but, is but different. you have a, you, with baseball, you know who's pitching and you know who's hitting. With football, any given player on that field can make an impact offensively or defensively, whereas baseball, if, if you're on defense and the ball's not hit to you and you're an outfielder, you make no impact. Yes. Whereas football, you got to watch the entire game or the entire field because any given moment, just like we saw with the Lions against the Cowboys, a lineman runs out and catches the two-point, which called back inadvertently. Right. But, but all of a sudden, that's the difference is, is – Baseball, I, I can't watch baseball for hours on end because that guy that could be a superstar, well, guess what? He's only going to bat once every three innings. 
you know, football any so given play. Baseball has traditionally been America's pastime. Do you think American football has taken that over yet? Oh, no doubt. I mean, no, no doubt. No, no doubt? Yeah, I mean, you even look at, you know, it used to be Christmas Day was NBA. Now Christmas Day is all NFL. I know it's not Major League Baseball. Does does, but, but does the NBA play it. on Christmas Day? I don't, the fact that none of us are – but it used to be – We don't even know. We don't even know. It used to be there was no football on on, on Christmas Day, and that was your only sports game, NBA. You know, but when you look at baseball versus football, I think – yeah, I think I, – I would say yes, absolutely it surpassed baseball. Just when you look at – the casual fan, your your diehard fan is going to be your baseball loyalist, but you know, women are more likely. You, you look at the Travis Kelsey, Taylor Swift. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, now women are becoming Chiefs fans, <laughs> and things like that. So it's just I don't. Yeah, the I think, the number one woman. Yeah, <laughs> the person of the year is a Chiefs fan. Uh, so, God bless, right? So crazy. What do you? Okay, so real quick for those of the people that um, for those are who are watching us right now that that like to talk about football. Um, this is really weird. So your team is Alabama. Yep. Okay. It has been for years. You used to live down there. Yeah. And so you guys were the four seed. Yep. And you guys played Michigan. Uh, my wife is from Michigan. So um, when she was growing up, she didn't really watch a lot of football. But then when we started dating and we got married, started having kids, I, mean, I was not a Michigan fan. Okay, so I don't want to, so you, you can smack me if you want, but just hear me out. So I'm from Chicago. I'm a Chicago boy. Born in St. Louis, raised in, in Chicago. Then I kind of split the difference almost in Quincy. So it's like, what should I do? Should I keep being a Bears fan? I live down the street from Walter Payton. So when the Super Bowl, or when the Bears won the Super Bowl, um, that was a big impactful thing for, for mm-hmm. me as a kid. And um, now living, um, living kind of closer to Kansas City, and my wife being a huge Pat Mahomes fan because she owned him for two years on Dominic O'Donnell's Fantasy Football League. <laughs> so she's the white unicorn straight out, of, straight out of Michigan. So now we're like, okay, oh crap. Do we need to be Michigan fans now? Because we want to go to the big house and we want to go, and her family's from Michigan. But it's like, okay, what happens if they play the University of Notre Dame? I hope the Wolverines you know, implode on themselves because I like Notre Dame. You probably hate Notre Dame. But yeah, yeah. when... Michigan just beat Alabama. Mm-hmm. I did not see the Texas Washington game. Well, just terrible time frame. They should have started the first game at two o'clock, kicked the second game off at six. But I fell By asleep. kickoff. I fell asleep in the third quarter. I think I woke up in the middle of the night. It was like 24, 20, 20, 20. Wait, uh, who I, won? Washington won. Okay. Texas had the opportunity to win it at the last second and didn't didn't get the touchdown. Okay. And I didn't look after, I mean, I literally haven't thought about this until just now. So I did not, I literally, this is really weird that I didn't know who won that game. I just freak I, busy. Uh, there was a problem with the, everybody had to go back to work the next day and then you're doing a 745 kickoff. Yeah. It was terrible timing. So now Michigan is going to play Washington, Washington and this upcoming Monday. Yep. And I'm guessing Michigan is the deep favorite. Uh, I, I don't, don't think deep favorite they're favored, but uh, I don't know. Do you, so far, Washington. Do you care who wins? Um, Washington. You son of a bitch. Yeah. You know. Okay, real quick. Um, next year, where does Alabama fit in this 
scheme. They're going to take the CFP is going to move from four teams to 12. That's a really big move. Yeah, is this good? Is this good for college football? Um, yes and no. It's good for the college football fan. I, I think, but the downside is is it's going to diminish the regular season, the value of a win, because now every week mm-hmm. doesn't matter. Because you could, it, it's going to make it more like the NFL, where Bama could have lost two games this regular season instead of just to Texas. They lost one game to Texas, had to beat Georgia to win it, to get into the playoff. Bama probably could have lost to Georgia and the SEC had two losses and still would have snuck in in, in the top 12. So mm. I, I think that what you're going to see is why I love college football is because of the passion and every week matters. It's going to somewhat go away. Yes, we're getting some cool games at the end because it's a play or go home. But I think you're, all of a sudden your Alabama-LSU game isn't as important during the regular season or your Michigan-Ohio State isn't doesn't have the same importance because eh, no big deal as long as we're in the top 12 we're getting in and and it's going to make the rest of the bowl games even more laughable well yeah because what's up with this transfer portal this thing is kind of a new it's not new but it's about four years old i think it was. four years old yeah though what's happening is after somebody plays a whole season and they're kind of done they've got this one last hurrah and depending on how you play and if and depending on i guess it goes by rankings not really sure exactly how the bowl games work but you know yeah, so they, for they example off rankings like liberty university played oregon mm-hmm. and you see like a really like a wide discrepancy in the rankings there i think oregon was about eight. Yeah, well what it is what is uh, a lot of the bowl games have set conference allegiances so okay so like you know when oregon played liberty it was you know pac-12 was going to take the highest ranked Pac-12 team. Well, the highest ranked was Washington. They were in the playoff. So then that fell to Oregon. But then your second spot, that bowl can elect to take the highest at-large person, which in that case was Liberty. And at-large means they're really not in a major Power 5 conference, whether it be Big 12, Big 10. So Liberty was an undefeated team. So they they took that one. Now, a lot of it... And Oregon had the option to choose? No, that's the bowls. Okay, the The bowls. The bowls basically have their conference allegiances that they are t- supposed to take so okay. so certain bowls might typically be the best big 10 versus the best pac 12 okay then this other another bowl might be sec versus the big 10 and so but then there's some of those new year's day bowls there's a little more flexibility on those to take the highest at large team or like a notre dame or whatnot so it's that that's why you kind of created such a gap in the rankings is a Liberty didn't really play anybody. Yes, they were undefeated, but... They're good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, finished better than a lot of teams, and I think they would beat a lot of teams. You know, were they good for a New Year's Day Bowl? I mean, they were better than Florida State, so, <laughs> you, you know, it's... You know, I, and I think as you go to a 12-team playoff, I think it's just the rest of those bowl games are going to be less meaningful. You know, now with 12 team playoff i don't think anybody's going to have the debate of you know the, the the debate we had this year with bama florida state georgia not getting in who who's supposed to get in so i think you're going to eliminate that next thing you know you hear about number 13 team complaining because they didn't 13 get in. 14 15 so yeah, i mean you're just moving the goalpost are the current cfp committee 
So there's a group of people that make these decisions. And it rotates. And it rotates. It's a mix of former coaches, current athletic directors, and then just some at large. So is that public information? The people on the committee? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. It's it, and what it is, I think that I think each person serves a max of four year term, and they roll off a fourth of the board each year. Do they vote anonymously? Or like how, yeah. what happens if somebody on that board, like find, what if someone finds out that they like kind of screwed a team and then, I mean, is there life in danger? I mean, I've heard like things like, um, I remember like Condoleezza Rice, I think was on the committee. She was on it when it first came out. Yeah. And she was like a- She's a football junkie. Very well known. I mean, she's a, she's a She's badass. a football junkie though. Right, but oh. no, I mean, I think she, she, I think she should have ran for president. Uh, sure, I But agree. she preferred to be on the college football playoff committee. You know what I mean? That's like, I mean, it, she's a brilliant woman. Um, I just liked her a lot. I really liked everything she had to say. But um, what do you think Alabama's prospects are for next year? Uh, I mean, uh, with the 12-team playoff, I think that they're not going anywhere. They didn't beat Michigan, but they, they lost in overtime to the top team in the country. We've got a lot of players coming back. I think we'll be right in the thick of it. You know, you know, I, I – because you only have to win the SEC next year to get in the top 12. So that's where I think what you'll see next year is with 12-team playoff, you're going to probably see five to six teams from the SEC in the 12. You're going to probably see three to four Big Ten. And then that's going to leave a couple out there for a Notre Dame or an ACC. And so at that point, you went from one SEC team in it this year to – if you'd looked at the top 12, oh you'd have had gosh. five in there. Oh, my gosh. This year. Yeah, that's a good so, point. So, like I said, it it diminishes the value or the, the negative of a regular season loss. So, barring a catastrophic meltdown, they'll be in the playoff. And then it's what do they do with it from there. I mean, I think that I, – I thought we were early this year. I didn't feel like we had the horses this year. We outperformed expectations and won some games ugly, but won. So I think next year, I think um, they ought to be right in the thick of it down to the finals or at least semifinals, I would think. All right. You know, but well, uh, that's why they play the game. Listen, you fielded all these questions beautifully. Thanks so much for coming on the oh, pod. Oh, those were easy. <laughs> those, those were, the, uh, I, that's why I ended with, with Alabama and college football. <laughs> Thanks so much, buddy. You bet, man. Yeah. <laughs>